I'd been thinking about how the area of thanksgiving is uh, something that we see from one passage to another, that as the people of God allow their hearts to be rightly aligned with who he is and what he's done, it just sort of releases something that we could otherwise not get. And I see this all the way back into the story of Exodus, and we see from there, uh, you know, from there being enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, coming under that demonic rule and, uh, and slavery, and they cry out to God eventually for freedom, and he brings them into such a freedom, a glorious freedom, out of the bondage of slavery, and he brings them into the wilderness as we follow the story, we know that God is reminding a people that have forgotten that there is a promise that was given to their ancestors. They're not just coming out of the wilderness because slavery is bad. God has something so great for them that they've forgotten about it. It was a promise given to Abraham all the way back. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is this land that I have for you and for your people. And when they went into slavery, one generation to another, they forgot what God had promised them. And that's what happens when we come under bondage. We forget what God has promised us. And so many years go by and the people realize that this bondage is not what we're called to ultimately. And so they take up this place of crying out to the God of their ancestors. It's, he's not, Yahweh is not a God that they personally know anymore. And so Moses, the deliverer, God raises up and sends to them and he brings them out of this bondage with God's mighty hand into the wilderness and they go to Mount Horeb. This is the mountain of God. And they get there and the Lord begins to reveal who he is to the people and what he wants to do. He gives them the law and so on. But what's amazing to me is when you actually look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, it says, I think in verse 2 or 3, it says, From Mount Horeb all the way to Kadesh Barnea, which is this promised land that God's now reminding his people that they have that's something for them that he has allotted for them far before they ever got to this place. It's an 11-day journey from Mount Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, which is the land of Canaan, the beginning of the promised land. It's 11-day walk. Um, I mean, it's just so many, it's just, a, a, you could walk it in 11 days, and yet the Lord ends up having the people of Israel in that land, in that wilderness area outside of their promised land, that's just knocking on the door. The promised land is knocking on the door. 11 days away. He has them there for 40 years. Everybody say 40 years. Come on, that's a long time, okay? And God's just not trying to teach them some random lesson. There's something that you continue to read that happens in the wilderness that you cannot mistake and you must not misunderstand because we can be subject to the exact same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it warns us to not do what they did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul warns the Corinthians, do not do what they did. They still leave as an example for us and how not to walk with God when the promise is ever before you. When God has something for you to be about and something for you to inherit, there is something that God wants for your life, has for your life, and wants for his church, and has for us to lay hold of. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says to the church, this serves as an example on how not to live your life. 
Well, what was it that they gave themselves to in this time? Well, we see that they complained. They grumbled. The Bible uses the word grumbled. That's another way of saying they complained. In Exodus 15, they grumbled because they didn't have water. In Exodus 15, they also grumbled against Moses' leadership. This was the first of many times they did that. They weren't happy with their leader because they felt like if we have a better leader, then we'll get where we need to go and we'll have what we need to have. It's the leader's fault, of course, right? It's always the leader's fault, isn't it? You've never grumbled against any leader in your life. Why would you? They grumbled in Exodus 16 about having no food. They grumbled about having to face a battle and an enemy that was trailing behind them in Exodus 14. They thought, I thought we were delivered and here comes the army to pursue us and to capture us. And why would we ever have to face another enemy? God, you're bigger than that. You should just take care of it. There's this fear that started to capture them in Exodus 14. And you read in Numbers 11, they were tired of the food that God provided for them. They didn't like the manna anymore, and so they started to complain, we don't like this manna, we want some meat. We don't want this bread-like substance, we don't understand what it is. We want some meat, and we're sick of it, and Moses, it's your fault that all we get is this bread-like substance that we had to come up with a new name for. And so they grumble again and again and again. But I want to tell you something, that breakthrough was only one prayer away. You know what they forgot? They forgot that they were following someone that could literally do anything at any moment. See, they forgot that when they went, got into a place where there was no water, that they were following someone who could cause water to come to them right where they were. They always forgot that when they didn't have food, it was not an opportunity to complain. It was an invitation to pray. It was an invitation to trust the God that brought them out of the 400 years of slavery and by a mighty hand brought them through the Red Sea. They walked through the Red Sea on dry land. And these people who witnessed miracle after miracle, when they came to a place where they didn't know what the plan was, they knew who God was. And that was what God was going after in their life. God was going after their heart. And it wasn't about 40 years. It wasn't about 50 years. It didn't matter how many years. They weren't wandering. God was intentionally targeting their hearts. While it looked like they might have been wandering, God was actually getting at something in their lives. And God would have taken a hundred years if that's what it needed to take. It wasn't about how many years, friends, it was about God delivering their heart. I want to tell you tonight that complaining is what fills the void where there is no thanksgiving. Complaining and grumbling and seeing the negative and forgetting who you're following. When we forget who God is and what God can do, we begin to complain instead of pray and praise and give thanksgiving. Thanksgiving would have re recalled who God was. It would have reminded the people right then and right there that they are following somebody that has an answer for what they're facing. But don't you love that there actually is a shift that occurs that takes place we find it in Numbers chapter 21. I don't know if you've ever thought about this verse, but this is the verse that I wanted to bring to you tonight. And it's, you'll miss it if you don't think about what it says. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 16. 
Israel finally got on the other end of their complaining, and this is what it says. From there they continued to beer, and that is well that, that is the well where the Lord said to Moses, listen, assemble the people that I may give them water. And then Israel sang the song, spring up, O well, sing to it. The well which the leaders sank, which the nobles of the people dug with the scepter and with their staves. Now, you might read that and think, that has, what, is, what does that even mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. This is probably 39 years into their wandering in the wilderness. And there was a shift that starts to happen that you read about at the end of the book of Numbers that you cannot miss. Because the people got to a place where they stopped their complaining and they started thanking God instead. They began to sing a song when they approached the well that was once stopped up. They came to a place where the people used to complain and now the people are singing instead of complaining. And this is right before they come into the promised land. And I've already told you that they were knocking at the door of a new place that God was bringing them into, but God couldn't take them there for 40 years because their hearts were distorted and skewed to the point where they wouldn't be able to receive what God had promised them. Friends, sometimes I think that breakthrough is just one prayer away. We're so close to it that we don't realize there is something in our hearts that is holding us back from what God wants. And so we're wondering where God is and we're wondering why this isn't happening and we're wondering why something isn't breaking out and God isn't breaking through, but we're not looking in the mirror and we're not looking at ourselves and we're not realizing that it really has a lot to do with our heart and our gratitude before God, which creates this sort of realm of possibility because of who he is and what he does. Can I tell you tonight, it matters what you focus on. It matters what you see. It affects the way you pray. It affects the way you worship. It affects what you say to people. It affects what you experience of God. You can't, we cannot just sit back and be like, well, you know, all this bad stuff is happening and this thing and that thing. If that is what comes out of our mouth, it's what's in our heart. And if that's what fills our heart, friends, we are not gonna walk in breakthrough. We're not gonna walk in revival and we are gonna miss a lot of what God wants to do in our lives. We're going to miss a lot of what God wants to do in our lives. The wilderness in our life will persist as long as it takes until God can root out this attitude. See, there's an attitude that holds people back from revival. There's an attitude, and it's a consumeristic attitude. It's a me-first attitude. It's a this-isn't-what-I-want-it-to-be attitude. This, is, this isn't what I expected or what I hoped for or what it ought to be. Or It's always focused on what we want and what we think and what we should be experiencing. See, the, the eyes of faith have a lot to do with thanksgiving because when you're thankful for what God has done and you're thankful for where God has brought you from, it starts to well up in your heart and cause your intercession to rise like never before. You begin to pray and you begin to expect and you begin to hope because what God has done in the past, he's gonna do it again because that's who God is. And so thanksgiving is actually tied to our breakthrough. We see it again and again in scripture. And God wants to remind us that he's someone that can do something about what we're facing. 
our breakthrough, our promised land is on the other side of God changing our heart, we need to remind ourselves of good things, the good things that God has done. This isn't a positive message to have you just focus on positive things and be a positive person. This is actually about seeing God. This is about seeing God, the overwhelming one, the mighty one, the one that's above and beyond all things, the one that can do above and beyond what you ask, think, hope, or imagine. This is about seeing God. I'd ask you tonight, what do you see? You know, as a parent, I'll speak for my wife and I, because I know she's going to give a hearty amen to this. Amen. Sometimes the hardest thing for us is when we do something for someone, we give something to them, or we pour out our lives and our time and our resources, and it can be for your children. That's, that's one of the first places, but you don't have to be a parent to understand this. You give your heart and your time and your talent and your resources to another person, and they, know, they don't even say thank you. I mean, th- there's something about that that goes right to the core. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't really do anything to me. Are you a parent? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, because at some point you recognize that it's not even just what you get out of the deal, it's there's a missing piece in that person. There's a missing piece in that person because they can't even recognize what's been done for them. They can't even recognize, like they're not self-aware enough to stop and pause and go, somebody just paid a price for me. Somebody just did something. for Somebody paid for me. Somebody gave their time for me. Somebody helped me move. Come on, somebody. Somebody brought dinner to my house. Somebody stopped in their day and sent me a text message. And we all know that how busy we can be. And people don't just always think like that. Somebody wrote me an email to encourage me. Somebody stopped me out in the foyer or maybe at work and wanted to just tell me that they were concerned about me and they wondered if I needed anything. See, people can do that stuff, and then we don't even thank them. And as a person, what gets to my core occasionally, come on, occasionally, is when a person doesn't say thank you when something has been done for them. I want to tell you that God is, in a perfect way, much the same. But in a righteous sense, God doesn't need us like in himself to do that. He wants us to become thankful. He wants us to be recognizing what has been done. for. He wants us to walk in gratitude more than he wants to be thanked. You understand? God understands what this does for us. God understands what this means to cultivate his people and his children. He wants us to be this way. And so the Bible teaches us to offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Uh, Turn with me to Psalm 50. And verse 1, I'm going to go ahead and read this passage to verse 14. Listen listen to this, Psalm 50 and verse 1. The mighty one, God the Lord has spoken, and he summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. May our God come and not keep silent. Fire devours before him and very tempestuous, I can't even say that word right, Around him, he summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. Gather my godly ones to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Selah. Think about that. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings are continually before me. I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds. 
For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field, it is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine. (laughs) This is God speaking. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine. And all it contains, shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats is a question. And then he says this, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high. The Lord is saying that there isn't anything that we can give him. It's not about what he desires from us for himself. It's what he desires for us to be his children. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I do not want a steak, (laughs) you know, burnt offering. Amen. It's not about a barbecue. It's not about some ribs. I, I don't want just a sacrifice. If I were hungry, I would not tell you I own everything. You cannot bring me anything that will satisfy anything that I am longing for. What I want for you and from you is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is a heart that offers thanksgiving to God, knowing, recognizing, even through a trial, even through a difficulty. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're doing something that I maybe can't see right now. Thank you, Lord, that you are ordering my steps. And even though I might feel the way that I do, I know that you're, you're going to shine brighter and brighter on the other end of this. Lord, thank you. In the midst of where I stand right now, I profess and I confess that you are at work. You are doing something great and something mighty, and it's coming right around the corner. A, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What does it mean, the sacrifice of thanksgiving? A sacrifice could mean that when you don't feel like it, you understand, like uh, sometimes you don't feel like raising your hands when you worship. You know, I tell people, and, this, and I say this to you, not because I'm going to turn around and look you in the eyeballs. Are you raising your hands? You know, I want to tell you, I don't need to raise my hands in worship because I feel like doing it. I don't even care what song it is. I'm not even interested whether it's an old song or a new song or because it's not my song and you ain't singing it to me and it ain't about how I, how I feel about it. I tell people from the very onset, when you come into God's presence and the first time you hear the guitar, man, just go after the Lord. Don't do this for me. Don't do this for anybody around you. But just the moment we begin to sing, we just, we just move right into his presence. There is no reason for me to wait about as to how I feel. A sacrifice of thanksgiving is to move beyond how I feel about it. Sometimes I feel like giving God thanks, and sometimes I don't feel like giving thanks. Sometimes I feel like worshiping, and sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. I feel like raising my hands, and sometimes I don't feel like raising my hands, but I do it because I'm offering to God something that isn't about how I feel. It's about what He deserves. It isn't about what I want. It isn't about what I get. It's about what I know that God is good no matter what is going on right now. This is what we know. So thanksgiving is tied to revival in our lives. Thanksgiving is tied to a breakthrough in our lives. We don't want to be wandering around our situations in life, wondering when this breakthrough is going to come. Friends, the Bible says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving right where you are. 
There is something about recognizing in the wilderness what God is doing and what God is about to do because it changes our hearts and that is actually what God is after. They roamed 40 years because God had to get to something deeper that they weren't allowing him to get to and that was a shifted, changed heart to be thankful. I wanna tell you something. We're gonna go through all kinds of battles and the enemy's gonna try to manipulate us try to manipulate our thinking, turn us against each other, and really, in essence, turn us, turn us against God. Turn us against his word. Turn us against the truth. Try to get us to tune into how we feel and not what is really true. That's not living by the Spirit. Sacrifice of thanksgiving is to stand in any place and declare our gratitude for God, and in so doing, we are praying and we are proclaiming that he is moving, he is working, and he is transforming. When we begin to thank God, we're focusing on what God is doing in the midst of everything else, and we're not paying attention to that which we're sunk by. I, I love the passage I read you, Numbers 21. They started to sing in the place of their need. They got past the grumble for their need, and they got into a place of thanksgiving when the need all of a sudden was before them. You understand, you know that you've transitioned. You know that you've shifted. You know that your heart is different when your need comes and your heart isn't complaining and wondering, well, why is this going on? This sure sucks. Why am I here again? See, when this starts to come out of our mouth, we recognize that this is not what God has for us. What God has for us is to recognize that that place right there, as we go around the mountain again, is where we need to stop and we need to say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I know it's good. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. You understand, this is where he opens our eyes. It has to do with our heart. More of God is available to the person who is thankful for what they have, knowing that God is the one who gives more. But to not recognize what he's done, to not recognize what he's doing, friends, I'm telling you, all it's doing is destroying us. It's hurting us deeply. Complaining consumes not only our words, but it steals from us the recognition and the honor that God is due. Look, look how the psalmist closes this. Psalm 50, verse 22. Now consider this, you who forgot God. I, I want you to listen to this. F consider this, you who forgot God. Or I will tear you into pieces and there will be none to deliver. Listen, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. Sometimes we forget God. Sometimes we forget what God's done, who God is, what God's doing, where he is. We're trying to locate him in the midst of it. We're consumed by lesser things and it destroys the unfolding future in our, in our lives. It really does. It's funny because we tend to reduce this down to like just negative speech. It's not just negative speech. It actually is connected to the unfolding future of our lives. Our lack of thanksgiving and gratitude isn't about having a bad day. It's about having a bad heart. A heart that misses God. A heart that forgets God. So friends, we follow God. I know that's not rocket science. We come to worship God. You understand, like, you may not feel like it right now, but come on, he's done something for you. 
So whether you get what you're asking for tonight or yesterday or this big thing that's looming over your life, whether you get it or not, God is enough. And so we stand in this place of gratitude and thanksgiving and we don't give ourselves to lesser things. They don't deserve our attention. They don't deserve our affection. We will not give ourselves to lesser things. And thanksgiving draws us into special places with the Lord. He says, I will show this one, the one that offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving, I will show this one the salvation of God. The Lord will show that person the path they will see what they otherwise cannot see. Sometimes we're blind and we forget God. A darkened heart is one that fails to honor God and give him thanks. We forget God. Look at Romans 1. I'm almost done. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. The writer here is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the Roman church about what unbelievers are like, what happens to them, what their darkened hearts look like. He says, For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. I want to read that to you again. They did not honor God as God or give thanks. This, then he goes on to say, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. This is the plight of the unbeliever, the person that forgets God. They don't honor him as God is sovereign over all things, including their life, and they don't give him thanks. See, a, a negative perspective, negative speech, negative hearts, it's, it's so all-consuming, it steals the praise and the worship of Almighty God. It steals it right out of our hearts. It steals it right out of our mouth. But what it really steals from us in the process is it steals from us the breakthrough that God is going to bring on the other end of us being consumed with what he does and what he brings into our life. God wants to release a thankful heart in us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Everything. He doesn't say give thanks for everything, <laughs> give thanks in everything. Are you facing a battle today? Have you gone through some things? Give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God, what's your will? What do you want me to do with my life? Give thanks. God, what are you trying to speak to me about? What do you want to do, Lord? I just want to follow you. Give thanks. And you know what the next verse is? I love it. Do not he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. We've always connected quenching the spirit with despising prophetic utterances. But let me read it to you. This is the will of God. Giving thanks is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Oh, man. I don't think it's just despising prophetic utterances. I think it's the whole thing. I think the entire thing is connected, that when a people don't give thanks and they miss the gratitude that God is due in the midst of where they are, no matter what it is that they're facing, there's a lot that they're about to miss that is connected to that perspective. 
there's a lot that they're about to miss. It's just the way it is. The people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And every time they came to a need, they grumbled and they complained. You and I, followers of Jesus, who have the spirit of God living in us, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, we are without excuse. Now that isn't to guilt you tonight. That's not my goal. My goal is to say to you, give God thanks. If your heart is covered and you're not able to see, if tonight you need to be reminded that God is not just for you, but he's always been for you. If you need to be reminded tonight, be reminded and take up this mantle of thanksgiving and watch what breaks out as a result of it, honestly. Sometimes we're like, God, I need a breakthrough. I'm seeking a breakthrough. And what we need is that breakthrough of heart. We need the breakthrough of heart. Because often what we're asking for in breakthrough, if it's not for our transformation, it usually is connected to something that we think that we need. Lord, would you just give this thing to me? And if you give this thing to me and I get this thing, then I know everything will work out. I know everything will be great. But those things are attracted to a life that is just freighted with thanksgiving. That's just freighted with thanksgiving. Remember when Jesus, uh, and I'm closing yeah, right now. You didn't know it, but now you do. Remember when Jesus healed the lepers? I think it's in uh, Luke, I don't remember what chapter, but you remember when Jesus healed the lepers? It says he healed 10 lepers. 10 people that were in desperate need of God's healing power. And Jesus healed all 10. And when they recognized that they had been cleansed from head to toe, they're on their way, they're walking, and they had been cleansed as they were walking. And as they're walking, there was a point where they recognized that they were clean. And as they recognized that, the Bible says there was only one that turned around and he went up to Jesus. And the Bible says that he fell to his knees and he began to give thanks. And Jesus said out of his mouth, he said, where are the nine? I just think this is so profound. Where are the others? Jesus gave a man's life back. I want you to hear me. Jesus gave somebody's life back. And there was one out of 10 that recognized, I need to go back and give thanks. I wonder if tonight, as Jesus has given our life back, he's given our life back to us. I wonder if tonight we've lost sight of this sacrifice of thanksgiving, of seeing in the midst of all that is going on, seeing the God who is ever leading us to these unfolding places of more and more and more. Friend, I want to tell you something tonight, whether you knew it or not. Our breakthrough is tied to our thanksgiving. Your breakthrough is tied to your giving of thanks to God. Because if you can't see what he's done, you will not be hoping for, believing for, expecting for what he's about to do. If you can't remember where God has brought you from, believe me, you are not believing for him to bring you further than you are. If we're not looking back in gratitude and prayer and testimony, we are not looking forward with hope and expectation tonight. It is not possible. And the word of God says, for those of you that forgot God, offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving right where you are. Yes, in the middle of battle, he is looking for a people who can recognize him even in the midst of the trial and the turmoil 
and the difficulties and the pain and all of that, a people that can stand and lift their hands, a people that can stand when they don't feel like it. And they say, God, you are worthy of our worship. And I'm not going to wait for the person on my right or left or for these guys to play the music or any of that. I am recognizing that you are worthy and I'm giving you thanks because you're worth my thanksgiving and I'm going to offer you a sacrifice. God says, I'm not looking for bulls and goats. I don't tell you if I'm hungry, I want something for you and not just from you. You have to have a heart of thanksgiving. You have to have it. It's not negotiable. With where God's taking us in revival, it is not negotiable. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.